Hey, girl. Picture this. You, your comfiest PJs, and a phone call with your absolute BFF. Well, guess what? The Mom Betch Podcast is your new virtual girlfriend on speed dial, serving up all the real talk, laughter, and support you need. Go to www.mombetch.com and stream where you listen to your podcasts. Mom Betch Podcast is ready for you. Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Welcome back, amazing parents. Today, we're diving into a crucial topic that's impacting teens across America. We're witnessing a concerning rise in anxiety, depression, and tragically record high rates of youth suicide. But what's really troubling is the relentless stigma that keeps so many teens from opening up about their struggles and seeking help. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce our fantastic guest today. We've got Aaron Gallagher, the executive director of This Is My Brave, and Beth Murphy, the founder of Principal Pictures. These incredible women are part of the team behind the eye-opening documentary, Our Turn to Talk. This film follows several brave teens on their journey to shatter the mental health stigma by sharing their own stories, raw and unfiltered. Welcome, Aaron and Beth. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks Thanks. for having us. Erin, let's start with you, because I know both of you have very compelling stories of why you are even doing this. So Erin, let's hear a little bit of your story. And then Beth, I want to hear yours too. Sure, of course. I'm Erin Gallagher. Um, I'm the executive director of This Is My Brave. This Is My Brave is a national nonprofit dedicated to mental health storytelling. So we invite um, ordinary people to share their extraordinary stories of overcoming their experiences with mental health and substance use conditions. So I became involved with the organization in t- 2019 when I met Jennifer Marshall, who was the who is the fa- founder of the organization and was at the time the um, executive director. I met Jen after I um, faced the tragic loss of my son Jay to suicide. And I had reached out to Brave to buy a a set of Brave beads like this um, for my daughters. And Jen um, so sweetly realized that I was just around the corner from her. And she invited me, instead of just dropping the beads in the mail, she invited me to coffee to talk about um, just our, you know, our shared, you know, stories. And so um, it was at that time that I learned about This Is My Brave and its um, dedication to ending the stigma associated with mental health by sharing uh, speaking openly um, and putting names and faces to stories. And, and so I feel like Jay's, my son's story um, is his life was impacted by stigma. He never asked for the help that he needed. Yeah. Um, and so when I learned about what the, the work that Brave was doing, I really wanted to be a part of it just so I could in myself have a mission of, of um, helping others to avoid the pain and suffering that he faced in his life um, so that 
they could get the help that they need. I mean, I, you know, I just was so moved by um, Jen's story, uh, the stories that I saw on the stage of my very first Brave show. And um, I just knew I wanted to make it my life's work. Um, and so I'm so grateful to be doing this work today and making the difference that we are and getting to work with amazing people like the both of you um, to, who also are so passionate. So thanks for having me here and um, for giving us a chance to talk a little bit about, about what we do and um, the impact that we can have. For people Aaron, thank you too. And we're grateful that you're out there doing this because yes, um, the stigma that is surrounding this is really holding people back and there's a lot of help out there and they're just not getting it. So really grateful that you've taken something so personal and so, so painful and turning it into something where you're, you're saving lives now. So yeah. thank you for that. Beth, you've got a story too. Please share. Hi. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, it was really a gift to team up with Aaron and Jen uh, many years ago now um, to really address the the teen mental health crisis. At the time, um, Brave was planning their first national teen show, which was really exciting. And, um, you know, we thought that it would be just incredible to be able to, you know, to document this through through a documentary film, which is which is my background. I'm a documentary filmmaker and journalist and impact producer. And so, you know, what that really means is tackling, you know, topics that that really need change and finding ways to address these topics in a way that is, you know, very heartfelt, very, but very solutions oriented. You know, so what can we do with, um, you know, a topic as, as vast and complicated as teen mental health? And so, um, you know, the idea was to really, you know, follow the teens themselves, let them tell their own stories. You know, as, as you said in the open, you know, really raw, unfiltered. Um, this is, you know, this is their time to talk, as the, as the title says. And so, you know, what we ended up doing was following um, Anastasia Vlasova primarily, um, as the, you know, kind of lead in the piece, um, she, you know, th at the time we were also starting the podcast series and we followed her making the podcast series and inviting other teens to join her and telling their stories. And throughout, you know, she tells her own story and the other teens, you know, share theirs as well. Um, it was, you know, very soon after starting the production um, of this, we were in the really nascent stages of just mm -hmm. kind of you know, thinking about what the project would be. The pandemic had not even yet started. This was back in 2019 that we were beginning the the, the focus on teenagers. Um, at that time, it was in November of 2019 that the U.S. Surgeon General came out with the report about how devastating the teen mental health crisis was. And this was, you know, before the pandemic. And we, you know, we all have seen how much the pandemic has exacerbated absolutely everything in this space. It was about... Um, maybe six months after that, a little bit less. I and mean, it was really right. I mean, as the pandemic started, the world shut down in April of 2020, that um, I started living the, the reality of what we were doing in my own home with what my daughter was experiencing. Um, right away, within weeks of the world shutting down, we began to see signs of an eating disorder taking hold, um, anxiety and depression, um, really, you know, building and, you know, here we are almost, you know, three years later, and we're definitely, you know, still, you know, in, in the, in the clutches of, um, of some of these things and talking has made a, you know, a huge difference being open, being able to 
you know, I've seen it, even though we're, you know, even though we're still grappling with this, um, that's, that's part of it. I mean, getting through it requires that grappling. And so, um, so it's, you know, it's not easy to do and the conversations are hard. Um, but, you know, having, um, having the ability to talk openly, and even if she doesn't want to talk with me, sometimes, obviously, you know, having the, the, um, the people in her life, you know, to turn to having that network. Um, and to know, I mean, you know, for, for the, you know, to know that, um, I'm hearing what she's saying and supporting, um, the ability to get the help that she, that she, that she needs. So it's very, um, it's become, you know, very, very, very personal. And I'm so grateful to this. I mean, the collaboration and the partnership with this is my brave has been extraordinary during this time with the film, with the podcast series, and, and now with the impact work, like, you know, getting this out into the world so that we can all be having these conversations. Yeah. I I've seen it twice now. Um, and yesterday uh, we saw it with viewing and actually Aaron was there. So I got to meet Aaron in person and we had a lot of parents there and it was very cool to sit next to my daughter on the ride home. And we talked about it and I said, what really resonated with you? And she's like, where do I even start? There were so many things. And what was amazing about it is it helped us. And we have a pretty open relationship anyway, but that's still something that's tough to talk about because kids do not want to bring worry or fear or burden um, to their parents. And then we have the stigma of it too, where even as parents, when our kids are struggling, we don't like to see them struggling. And so we try to fix it. And this ends up getting in our way of helping them because we're not helping them by doing that. And I think that was a message I heard from several of the stories, which are just, I can't stress enough how important it is for people to watch this movie and share this movie and watch it with your kids. Um, And if they don't want to watch it with you, just send them the link, (laughs) you know, at this point, because I think it resonates with all age groups of how important this is. And I think the biggest piece of this is about the storytelling. So tell us a little bit, and Erin, I know that this is, you know, this is my brave. That's what this is all about. Tell us a little bit about what this means and how storytelling helps us break the stigma. Um, Well, storytelling, I think, is just the, um, you know, the way that we connect with one another. I think many people, when they think about many people haven't lived through mental illness or any sort of challenge, um, maybe has um, the impression that this happens to other people and they may um, have ideas in their mind about why that is. And when I I think when we put storytellers on the stage or we put them in a a documentary like this, it really, uh, I think, brings home the point that these people um, are not that much different than us. They don't look that much different than the people in our lives or the neighbors down the street or the people we work with. And it really takes uh, that sense of um, distance that we have from Um, from the idea of mental illness and brings it closer to us. And it helps us to really contemplate um, that this is a real experience that is that, that many people that are just like us or many people that we know and love are probably also facing. And so I would say um, just that the storytelling is better than data. It really, uh, it also presents the emotional side and it, it, it presents more clearly the, 
the sense of, um, I think making, trying to make sense of it. And I, I just think that helps humanize the, the experience. Um, and I think people see each other in, or hear something that, that resonates with them in each other's stories. And that's so powerful. I, I think more than any data, more than any instruction or educational yeah. material can provide us. It's the stories that will make the change in the world and um, how we see these things. And one of the things I really notice is the more stories we hear. So if we've got teenagers that aren't opening up, I think one of the things that I was really noticing is that the more they hear other people's stories and go, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one. Wait, that person's like me. It suddenly makes it okay to tell their own story. And so once we get it out of our head, it feels more manageable. It takes away some of the shame that we've been holding into us. You know, when we get out there and other somebody else goes, oh my gosh, me too. That I've, I've experienced that too. So I think that is so incredible. And for parents to say, if my child's not opening up, help them find ways to expose themselves to other people's story. I think some people are like, I don't want them to hear that because they might think that that's them, you know, that might make them suddenly think they're this way. And it's the opposite, right? It gives them the freedom to talk about it. Beth, I'm curious because you were talking about how you've been going through this with your own daughter, Mm -hmm. going through this and creating this documentary and watching those stories. How did you use that as a mom? What did, what kind of stuck with you? Well, I mean, pretty much everything. I mean, you know, just all of the experience of meeting people and interviewing them, talking with them, talking with families, interviewing parents and the kids themselves, just, I would say, you know, every experience along the way just kind of hit me in the heart and everything was a lesson. I mean, all of these were, um, it was almost like uh, this really broad, you know, multi-year therapy journey almost for me, you know, meeting everyone and, um, really having such a, an understanding of how we really are all in it together. Um, you know, we, as parents, we, as, you know, just adults who care about all children in the world, um, you know, whether, whether we're parent, you know, teacher coach, um, and then, you know, the, the kids themselves, you know, we are all struggling with this, you know, it's not just something what, you know, I realized, um, you know, so much, I mean, obviously as, as parents, when our kids are suffering, you know, the, the, the toll that that takes, you know, our lives, you know, change, um, immeasurably and our perspectives change, our priorities shift. Um, and that's, and so, um, that becomes very, you know, very complicated. I mean, it, it affects every aspect of your, of your life. Mm-hmm. And so I, I saw that so clearly, um, you know, talking with people and there were, I mean, I can think of many occasions when during the middle of interviews, we would be all crying up and, you know, hugging, um, because it was very raw. I mean, I'll, I'll, I was on my way, for example, once to do an interview outside of Chicago and I just, you know, checked into the hotel and cameraman was getting ready to meet me downstairs. And, you know, I was, delayed because I was in the middle of calling eating disorder facilities to try to have um, my daughter's doctors at the time were recommending, you know, residential treatment for her. And we were trying to get, you know, we had no information at the time, you know, trying to get, you know, who takes our insurance to, um, 
And so it's that sense of that, you know, I'm, I'm here for you and you're here for me is, um, is something that I think, um, is what's needed, you know, to really, to really address this, this wholly, because even now, you know, I see, um, you know, there's a sense that stigma is being addressed. And I've, I've heard people say that, oh, there's no more stigma. And I think young people sometimes feel that way because they maybe talk so openly and honestly about it. But um, my perspective is very different. The stigma is still very much alive and and well and thriving, you know, and I, I probably see it in ways in my daughter's life that she is incapable of, of you know, seeing it. Um, yeah, so that's, you know, so some of those, those are some things I, you know, I can share about what my journey has you know, has been like during this yeah. time period. I think when you mentioned stigma too, and and like you said, the kids seem to be more open about talking about it. I think where the stigma really gets so stuck is the parents. Um, we feel that if our kids have a mental health issue, we've done something wrong. And one of the moms yesterday asked, is there a way, if I do the stuff that you're saying, Will I prevent mental health issues? And that's like saying, will I prevent them from getting a fever, right? Like, it's not something we can prevent. And just seeing you guys, like, you guys have kids that have struggled with mental health. And your your film represented such an annoying, you did a great job at representing a wide range of children from different cultures and different backgrounds. And it's not that. And I think parents need to let go. And Aaron, I see, I'm going to turn it over to you because I see you're eager to say something. So you go. We talked about that on the way home. Jen and I rode together to the show and um, we talked about that on the way home and it, it did really, I mean, it, it, it was a sweet question and I, it, but I, and I'm not sure if it was stigma or just a complete misunderstanding of what mental illness is. I mean, if we do believe that mental illness or mental health challenges or substance use challenges and conditions are failures um, of an individual, that they reflect weakness of character, then you know, then we could say, well, if we build up all these things that would strengthen our children's character, then they wouldn't fall into these traps. Uh, but we wouldn't say that that cancer or, um, you know, um, a fever are character yeah. flaws. And so th I think that we have to start seeing the two things as um, this, putting them in the same category, yeah. that it can happen. It can happen to anyone. We prepare ourselves for the fact, you know, we take our kids for annual checkups. We prepare um, for the fact that, that conditions may arise in their, you know, in their physical health. And we also need to prepare ourselves equally with the idea that a condition may arise with their mental health. Yeah. And, um, and if, if we open our hearts to that idea and we put that on the same plane as physical health, the other thing that somebody was saying was um, about how we sympathize or how we speak to our children if they are going through something. And, um, and the comment was um, that sometimes it can be pitying or it can be reinforcing the fact that this is um, a terrible thing and not just a thing, right? So then we talked on the way home, like if, if my child 
accidentally burns themselves, you know, as they're baking in the oven, they're going to have a, a, a raw spot on their arm that's hurts like heck. And we're going to have to kind of ride that one out, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, and I think everybody, nobody would say anything like you're a bad person because that happened to you that, you know, they would sit with their kid. They would put the bombs on that they could do. They'd offer some ice, you know, we do the things to help soothe them it, with a physical condition. Um, and we need to think about the, the same kinds of ways of soothing mental health challenges, you know, not fixing it, not um, condemning it, uh, but helping, you know, being supportive as the person goes through it. Yeah. You know, so those are the conversations we had in the car on the way home. Yeah. It was very um, thought provoking. And, um, you know, I really don't want to, I don't want that, the person who asked that question to feel bad. Cause I think it does. They were all great questions. Cause they're yeah. questions we hear all it, the time. It is a highlight of, of, you know, some of the hurdles we still have to get over when yeah. we're thinking about mental health, especially when we're thinking about our children's mental health. Yeah. And, and I think the, not just the, Oh, my child, something's wrong, but also feeling blame that I did something wrong in my parenting. And so I made them that way. And so now we're trying to hide it too. When in fact, as parents, there are things we can do to help them through, not necessarily prevent it, but Mm -hmm. we can definitely, there's things that help get them through it and help them cope through it. But, you know, one of the younger boys there, younger teens there was saying, this is who he is. Like right. it, it just is who he is. It's not something that's going to just stop. It's something he's learning to live with. And I think as parents, we've got to understand this is my child. And this is something that we're all learning to live with. And it just, it is Yeah. right. It is what it, so um, I think that's what's so different from us because I think we think it's this thing that has to be fixed and it's this thing to be shameful, ashamed of because it was caused. Or another thing really quick someone said was, um, and I don't know if it was in the movie or someone said, but you know, most people don't fake mental illness. Most yeah. people fake being okay. Yes. And I've seen that so many times in my own practice that is far more. I do not see the reverse. Yeah. Well, when you were just talking about um, getting to acceptance, the part of, I personally um, just really am so touched by River's story, oh, I in, love River's story in the documentary and River's parents' story in the documentary. And so I just really am, I, I, I feel for them and, um, and I, you can see their, you know, th- how they move, where they start and where they get to um, in the course of the documentary. And I really, the, the scene with Tony, you know, talking out loud about where he's gotten to, I mean, it gets me every, every, I yeah. know, God bless him. I really, I just, he went from such an extreme thing. And the one thing that really resonated with me that he said is we can't get in our own way of supporting our kids. And I was like, dude, bingo. Like, you know, that that was a struggle for him because you see people have a mindset, you know, they have a belief. And I've, I've seen parents struggle with kids that are questioning their gender and it just, it messes with their head and they just think all of these things rather than going, this is my child. Yeah. And it, it's a hard accepting to accept. Also that it, 
uh, it's going to be a rare parent who, who hears, you know, a child say something to that extent and then say, great, I'm on board. Let's go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would be wonderful if they were, but I think everybody's got to go through a continuum. And so it was nice to be able to see the continuum uh-huh. of an ordinary family facing this, uh, this thing in their family. And, and also I just loved river advocating for herself. I love that sign. Beautiful. Yes. I don't know if you noticed the sign. Oh, I did. I wrote it down. I accept I... a daughter or, or accept a daughter or lose a son, accept a niece or lose a nephew. Right. Yeah. I thought that was beautiful. Yeah. Um, she's full of them. Uh, she really is. But that one in particular, I saw that again last night and it just it really, I'm like, you go, you go, you need yeah. to be advocating for yourself. And I'm really proud that to be a part of, of her story in a little bit, and just to, to be able to be with her as she, you know, took that on really in little town in North Carolina. So, yeah, which is a big thing right there. And just, I think one of the things to recognize too, is that when kids are able to figure out what's going on with them mm-hmm. and figure out who their authentic selves are, this is a positive thing. And I think often we go, this is a net, oh, such a tragedy. They've got depression or they're, they're, you know, they weren't born in the right gender or, you know, oh my gosh. what are, And really it's like, thank goodness they have identified who they are. It is not who they are. It's part of who they are. It's part of the person that they are, not everything. And I think we tend to want to make everything about them, about that one thing. And they are not their depression. They are not their mental illness, right? They are not their, it's just being able to go, let me understand that this is a piece of you. And we figure out how we all live with that. And that I thought was really. Yeah. Something else that, that, you know, River said was about, um, you know, once a diagnosis came, it made it so much easier to talk about. And, you know, I experienced that very recently with my daughter, we were in the, we were in the ER and, you know, she was um, struggling again with her eating disorder about maybe probably about three weeks ago. And the ER doctor, you know, was talking with her and um, she said, you know, I just said, you know, it used to be that I, I would feel hungry, but my mind would, you know, overcome that and say, no, no, you're not going to eat. She said, now it's different. She said, now, you know, I really, I really, I, I really want to be eating but I'm just not hungry. And there's, there's, you know, there's a medical mm-hmm. diagnosis for that. And so, um, you know, that's very normal to be feeling we, you know, then we're able to read about it, um, find out, you know, what the solutions are, which the only solution is eating more, um, you know, to get your digestive system, you know, back up and running. But, um, but, it, you know, that it's, it's very real to have that, you know, once you kind of, you, you know, what you're dealing with, it's like, okay, like, I'm right. I'm, I'm, I'm right to feel this way. All right. Like this is, you know, this is, this is something. And now that I know what it is, I can, I can tackle it. Um, and I think that, you know, so many more parents are going through this than we even realize. And that I think stigma is a big part of that, that we are afraid to like, let another parent know, oh, you know, my kid's suffering. Does that mean my, you know, that parent won't want their kid to hang out with my kid? You know, what are the Which other it happens, about by the, the way, hundred percent, it happens hundred percent. Oh, that's a bad influence. Oh, did you see her scars? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I was talking to a mom, okay. this we were talking about photography and, um, her daughter, you know, has you know started cutting and, um, sent her a text message and say, said to, to let her, to tell her, 
she was afraid to talk about it with her face to face, but wanted her to know. I said, you know, I think, you know, I think I need help. And I just think about, you know, how do we react as parents in a moment like that, where you've been given this information, you know, do, do we have the, honestly, I mean, do we have the self-discipline, you know, do we have the self-discipline? Do we have, um, the emotional intelligence to navigate this. And I think this is a really big question for parents because I think I see so many parents who just lack self-discipline, lack self-control and, you know, fly off the handle and, and say very hurtful and regretful things. And you can't take those things back. Mm -hmm. And those unfortunately are, despite all the many wonderful things we do every day, those are the things that 30 years from now, they'll, they'll remember, you know, those, those statements, um, that can be so hurtful. And so, you know, rather than like, you know, what's wrong with you, what's, you know, um, sometimes it's just best to kind of be quiet. Not doing anything is one of the hardest yes. things for parents <laughs> to do. And yet it's probably the smartest thing to do. If you don't know what to do, just be there, listen and validate. You can't go wrong with that. Right. And so we try to either fix or we do, we just lose it, which is why our kids aren't telling us in the first place. Cause they're like, you're not going to help. You're going to make things worse. And as much as parents can help their kids through these, we can also add a lot more pressure and make it a lot worse if we don't kind of know how to navigate that. And, um, I, it was, is it young elder? Is mm -hmm. that her name? So yes. young elder was like, the said, you know, I love the hurt people, hurt people we've heard, but healed people, heal people. I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing because it is true. When we as parents are able to heal ourselves, that's when we're going to be able to help our kids through. But if we're not healed ourselves and expect our kids to get healed on their own without dealing with our own stuff, it's going to be a challenge. You know, um, one thing I was thinking last night that I didn't want to interject because the parents were having a rich discussion, but um, I have a friend who's just really great at um, like, she's going through stuff with her kids and she will say to them, like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> I'm not sure what our next steps should be. Like, I've never faced this in my life mm -hmm. and I've never parented a child who's faced it in theirs. And so you know, I don't, I might take a next step that is not the right step and we'll fix it. Right. Like yeah, it's, I like I that. that, that just giving yourself the space, like parents are supposed to, you know, we've always been when, since the kids were little, the ones who tell them about the world and help them understand how to do things. And we teach them to cook and we teach them to read and we teach them all these things that there comes a point where they're, you know, their needs may exceed our skills to, um, to meet them, but mm -hmm. we're there to support them, you know, yeah. we don't have to have all the answers and maybe better off if we don't, right? Like, I mean, I, it might be hard to be a therapist parent and, or the daughter of a therapist parent. <laughs> Aaron saw me embarrass my daughter beautifully the other day. No, but I just wonder, you know, like, I, I think it's okay to say like, I don't know. And, uh, you know, like, but let's figure out there are experts out there. There are people who do and let's go ask for help. Like let's, let's both just kind of admit, like, we don't, we're not sure what we should do next. And so, and 
but I just love, she was so exasperated this one day. and was just like, I, I'm doing the best I can. I'm probably <laughs> making mistakes. I'm not even sure. And I was just so uh, impressed that she was willing to put that out there right in front of her kid. And I'm, I think her kid really appreciated it. Like, I oh, okay. agree. Erin, I love that so much. And I think the very thing is one of this, like, fallacies we have as parents is that we have to have our things have to look like we've got it all together to hold authority for kids to respect us. We can't make mistakes. We got to have it together. And it's the opposite. Like when we won't admit our mistakes and our kids see them, believe me, they're we don't fool them at all. So when they see our mistakes and we won't admit them, we're basically telling them it's not okay to fail. And we are actually undermining our authority. And when we say something like your friend did, which I absolutely love, I don't know how to do this either. Let's figure this out together. Respect, boom, authority, (laughs) boom, because you're going, I believe you, I trust you. And that's one thing we lose very quickly during adolescence is kids do not trust their parents anymore. And we keep telling them to trust us. They will never trust us if we don't trust them. They just yeah, make it till you make it doesn't work here. You know? Oh gosh, no. <laughs> you know, I yeah. Yeah. So. It doesn't. So you guys, I really, really appreciate you guys jumping on and talking to me. And again, this movie, I wanna, I'm gonna be sharing it with everyone. I think it really, really just it helps adults and kids just realize that this is what it is. It is. And it's okay to tell our stories. And I think people will look at these kids that are telling their stories and going, okay, they're like me. This is not like some person that's locked up somewhere. This is a person that's actually doing amazing things in the world and going to school and do, I mean, some of the stuff they were doing was quite impressive overcoming what visiting the white house, you know, that's it. I was like, come on, that's, I know. (laughs) <laughs> so they're they're doing stuff with their story. Their story has become their strength. And that just is like so cool and normalizing. So I want to thank you guys so much. And I want to give you both an opportunity to just say, how can we find you, Aaron? I know there's like jaywalkers and things like that. So Aaron, how do we find you and 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 use the resources that you have? Well, you can check out our website, which is thisismybrave.org. And we have this year, um, especially really wanted to emphasize teen mental health. And so in August, we launched an initiative to, to have the month of August declared as teen mental health month. And we brought lots of partners on board with us who are, uh, supportive of that initiative. And um, so their logos are on our site. The resources that many of them have available are also there. There are uh, resources, especially specifically for parents, resources specifically for teens and others. Um, So that sits on our website and we're going to do it again next year um, and make it even better and stronger and bigger um, with more partnerships. And now in the month of September um, for Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, we are doing an initiative called the Jay Walkers Challenge. My son's name is Jay. And so this is in honor of him and in honor of um, everybody. So basically what the challenge asks you to do is you'll form a team. Obviously, the month has already started, but it's not too late. You could start today. You could get a team going over the weekend and start on Monday. Um, but you and your team will set the goal of walking 800,000 steps before the end of the month. When you do, you will have walked a step in honor of every life lost worldwide to suicide. And 
when you do the walking, I would hope you're going to wear a wristband. Um, and I would hope that you would also do some talking about what it takes to prevent suicide. And one of the things it does take is being willing to say the word and being willing to ask one another specifically ask if you see somebody struggling to say, are you considering suicide? Which is such a horrifying and terrible question or terrifying question to yes. have to summon yourself to say, but this we know through research is one of the most yep. effective ways to prevent suicide is to mm-hmm. ask the question point blank. So mm-hmm. what we'll do is um, we'll be walking along with you. This is virtual. You can do it wherever you are. And we'll also be sharing resources, um, information on how you can start those conversations in your circles um, with your your family, your friends, your coworkers, just to raise awareness about what we can all be doing to, to prevent suicide in this world. That's fantastic. I love that. Thank you. And Beth, what is your next project? What are you working on? Well, we're still very much in 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 deep with this project. Oh, There's good. so much work to be done. And so I would really, you know, encourage people to start these conversations in their own communities, homes, and schools. And a great way to do that is to listen to the podcast and have a screening of the film. Uh, We are doing screenings across the country throughout the school year, partnering with a lot of different leading mental health organizations, especially and including This Is My Brave. So if you go to OurTurnToTalk.com, you can find everything you need to get in touch. Um, so it's just, you know, our turn to talk.com go there. You can send us a message and we give you everything you need for a screening um, in your community. And, you know, just a way to really start the conversation. You know, we were really excited by some initial research that we're doing um, us in collaboration with this is my brave with the university of South Florida and um, a research lab there, a mental health research lab that is focused on stigma, anti-stigma research. And they've been studying the podcast specifically and its impact on young people who are listening to it. And two initial findings are, are really, really exciting. Um, one is that when young people listen to the podcast, stigma is going down and positive feelings about getting help are going up. So Amazing. that's why, you know, when we when we say storytelling saves lives, we know it, we believe it, it's 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 the reality. And we hope that um, you know, we can work with all of your listeners to um to have more people telling their stories. I love that. So I will have the link to the podcast and ever in the show notes. What if I want to watch the movie again? Or someone hasn't seen it and they were ready to watch it now. Hmm. You muted. Oh, Beth move. There we go. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the full Sorry. film is available on YouTube. And um, you can also, you can get there by going to the OurTurnToTalk.com uh, website. Pretty much that's the one-stop shopping for everything that you that you need. Good. Okay. I encourage everyone to watch it. It is very, it's, it's compelling. It yeah. is definitely, you get pulled in and the stories are just, I think everyone's going to find at least one person that, they really, really relate to most likely a lot more than that. <laughs> so thank you guys so much, Aaron and Beth for joining us today. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for thank having us. It was Absolutely. So to see you again. It was. Yeah. Um, so let's everyone go watch the movie. I encourage you to do that. 
And thank you all for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. I really appreciate you. If you want more information on how to best support your teens, check out my 10 top tips for raising teens at askdrcam.com slash parenting tips. Until next time, stay curious. Remember, there's always more to this story than what you see. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.